Hey there, this is Dustin McLean. And Allie McLean. And we're pumped that you're joining with us today. And if you're a part of our Purpose Church family, whether in person or online, we'd love to connect with you via social media at ourpurpose.church on all social media outlets. And on our website at www.ourpurpose.church. We can get you plugged into a group, other giving options, and an opportunity to connect with the Purpose family all across Western Kentucky. And we hope today's message encourages you and inspires you. And so let's jump into the message. All right, and I mentioned it during announcements, but Pastor Dustin and Allie and their family, they're on a much-needed vacation this week because, listen, I know you see what happens on Sundays, but throughout the week, literally all day long, they're working so hard to just uh, lead our church and serve our church, and so they're taking a much-needed vacation today, but um, and does anybody love Pastor Dustin and Allie and how grateful, how, for, are grateful for how well they lead us here at Purpose Church? <laughs> Well, amen. And listen, uh, I, I'm excited. I, first experience was so great. And I'm excited to have some people who uh, lead our church in different capacities and who have poured into our church in so many different ways just come and, come and encourage you this morning and share just some marks of, of their life, of their past, uh, of places where they're at, and just encourage you and, and remind you that you're not who God says you are, but you're who, uh, or you are who God says you are. You're not who the world claims you to be. Um, but listen, we've, we're in the middle of this Mark series, right? Anybody loving the Mark series that we're in? Yeah? Yeah? Uh, based on your singing of that song, you really are loving it. So even if your woos don't count for it. Um, but listen, uh, we've, when we first kind of planned to be in this series, we didn't uh, really plan to talk about Peter this whole time, right? Uh, we had talk, planned to talk about uh, numerous different just uh, biblical figures and how they were marked. Uh, but as we've gone on, uh, it's, the Holy Spirit has made it very clear and very evident uh, to just Pastor Dustin that Peter is who this series is going to be about. Um, and so, you know, the first week of the series, we were in Luke chapter 5, and Pastor Dustin uh, talked, to, talked about um, uh, Peter and Jesus' first interaction, and just how uh, Jesus called Peter to, to obey and to trust him, and kind of what that looked like. And then the next week, we had one of our overseers, Chris Dew, come in, and uh, when we first talked to him, the plan was not for him to speak about Peter. And then uh, he showed up, and he was talking about Peter. And we're like, all right, cool. Like, we get it, Holy Spirit. This is what we're doing. Um, and he gave us a great message from Mark chapter 8, uh, just about G uh, Peter and the disciples and uh, the conversation that they have and the understanding, the question they had to wrestle with of who is Jesus? Who is Jesus to them? And we all have to ask ourselves the same question, who is Jesus to us? Uh, and then last week, Pastor Dustin went back to Luke chapter 22 where uh, Jesus was going to be crucified and, and Peter denies Jesus. And, you know, anybody, anybody ever made a mistake in their life? Anybody? Like all the, yep, okay, yeah, all of us, great, thank you. Um, Peter messed up, if we could say that. But he showed us there at the end that uh, that Jesus can take a test that we go through and turn it into a testimony. He can take the mistakes that we make and use it uh, to ultimately bring glory and honor to him. And so uh, as, we're, as I was just thinking, okay, you know, we've got these different speakers up here, different leaders encouraging us in different ways from the things that they've gone through in their life. Is there anything that like Peter, like did Peter have anything that he encouraged someone with from all the experiences he had? Well, great news. There's these two books in the Bible called First Peter and Second Peter. Who do you think wrote those? Peter, yeah, not a trick question. Really, really easy there. And so we're going to be in 1 Peter chapter 1. If you got your Bible, flip there for me. 
And um, the first two verses of this book are just Peter saying, hey, I'm Peter. I'm a follower of Jesus. I'm writing this letter to you. Uh, these churches who are going through just some persecution, they're going through some hard times, some difficulties. And he's just encouraging them and telling them, hey, listen, uh, don't give up. Continue leaning in. And so we're going to pick it up in verse 3. If you got your Bible, grab it. If not, it'll be on the screen behind me. And says, all praise to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. It's by his great mercy that we've been born again, because God raised Jesus Christ from the dead. Now we live with great expectation. Somebody say, great expectation. expectation. And we have a priceless inheritance, an inheritance that is kept in heaven for you, pure and undefiled, beyond the reach of change and decay. And through your faith, God is protecting you by his power until you receive the salvation, which is ready to be revealed on the last day for all to see. And so what Peter, Peter's reminding them of, hey, listen, the things that are going on in the world around you, the the things that are happening to you, it's not just about what happens in the world around you. It's not just what happens here on earth because we have an inheritance. And so because we're marked, we have an inheritance. And so that's that's what he's telling them. And that's what I'm want to kind of encourage all of you with this morning. It's not about what happens to us here on earth, but it's about how God is ultimately working things together for our good and for our glory and ultimately, uh, you know, to to give us, uh, to to prepare us for what's coming. And so uh, the thing about an inheritance, right, like you can't, this inheritance, we can't mess it up. It can't be ruined. There's nothing we can do to, like, to, to lose it. Satan can't destroy it. Satan can't touch it. Satan and his homies can't get to it. Um, and, and Peter's saying here, hey, listen, the things that are, there's, there's something to come. There's something greater coming. So don't be focused. Don't be discouraged by the things that are happening around you, but be encouraged. Remember who it is who created you and who gave you value. And so with that, I'm going to invite our first uh, speaker up to the platform. And I like to call this guy kind of like our resident scholar. I'm pretty sure he's the smartest man in the room. Uh, and if you're smarter than him, cool, I would love to meet you. Um, Pastor Kyle and I like to joke uh, that he has probably forgotten more things than we will ever even know because he's just that smart. Uh, He's been a crew leader for multiple seasons here at Purpose Church, and he just finished leading a crew called the History of the Bible. Like, whoa, right? So join me in welcoming to the platform Mr. Monty Hancock. Good morning, everyone. It's a pleasure to meet you again, see you this morning. Let me take my credibility off here. Uh, My name's Monty Hancock. Uh, I'm the old guy that is preaching today. I've almost finished my three score and ten. I've been a Christian for 53 years, which is kind of a long time. Um, I had a rough childhood. My parents were alcoholics and drug addicts, in and out of jail, in and out of mental hospitals. Uh, It was a difficult time. My mom eventually killed herself, and those things left marks on me, and they affect the way I react. And so when you see me act in a certain way, it might be coming from a place that you're not aware of. But how many of you have those same kinds of marks? Raise your hand. Anything happened to you in your life that left a dent or a nick or a chip? Do you have any scratches on you somewhere? And they affect you. They affect the way you react. The difficulty comes when people label us because they see those scratches and those marks and those dents, and they said, you were the one that was X, Y, Z. 
and you've got that label on you. And it's hard to get out from under those things. The real danger is that we will begin to see ourselves in terms of that label. You know, a label doesn't make you something. A label is a description that someone has come up with and attached to you. It might not be who or what you are at all. Don't adopt those labels. Those are not the marks that are the most important, right? They're not the most important marks. I'm not saying they're irrelevant and don't matter. They affect us, but they're not the most important marks. I have a quarter here. This quarter is 75% nickel and 25% copper. And if you melt one of these things down, its scrap value is 5.6 cents. So you give me all these quarters, I'll pay you gladly six cents a piece for them. Uh, but no matter how many nicks or dents or scratches this coin might have on it, it's still worth 25 cents in the marketplace. And it's not because of the year that's on it. That's not the mark that matters the most. It's not because of the picture that's on it. That's not the mark that matters the most. This coin has the value which is assigned to it by its creator. And if you look at the back, you'll see it says, United States of America. That's where this coin gets its value. The creator assigns it that value. Every time you look at a coin now, you need to think about that. Think about that title that's on there, because that's like us. We have labels, too. We have labels that we put on each other, that we put on ourselves. The marks that matter the most are the ones that are put on you by your creator. And those are the ones you need to live in and walk in. That is your calling, to live and walk under that mark. Now, there are other kinds of marks that we have on us. We're human beings, for example. Uh, God creates us, and he puts his thumbprint on every person that he creates. That's what makes you a person, God's thumbprint. You're created in the image of God. You're an image bearer. That's why murder is wrong. Did you ever think about that? And that's why the penalty for taking a life is to give a life, because there is no finite charge or fine that you can pay to compensate for intentionally destroying an image of God, an image bearer. But that's not all that we are. That's not the only image that we have. We have another image too. For those of us who are believers in the Lord Jesus Christ, if you think back to the prodigal son what happened was he left behind his identity and his heritage. He took with him that portion of his wealth that was portable. And he went off and he wasted it. And then he came to himself and he said, I've given up the mark that mattered the most for these things that don't matter at all. And so he went back home. And he said, Father, make me like one of your servants. But the father did three things. He gave him shoes which guide his path and keep him in the way. He covered him with a robe. We're covered with the robe of the righteousness of Christ, which covers all of our sins. This makes us qualified to be in God's house. But more than that, what was the third thing he got? A ring. What does the ring symbolize? 
This is not just somebody who can be in the house. This is a son of the father and an heir. And that's what we are. And that's what we need to walk in and to be that. That's what God has called us to be. And if there's any doubt, you have said these very things yourself. Think about the songs that we sang today. I wrote some of the words down. I'm a child of God. Not just a creation of God. I'm not just an angel. I'm an adopted son. Some of you are adopted sons and adopted daughters. And that qualifies you to live in the Father's house. Right? There are many mansions there. There's a place for me. What else? Do we believe what God says about us? I'll take you at your word. You sang that this morning. I'll take you at your word. And what is his word to us? We sang that too. I am who you say I am. I'm not just a person, though I am that. And I have the image of God impressed upon me, that thumbprint that makes me of infinite value. You destroy that image and your life is forfeit. But I'm more than that. I'm a child of the king. He's given me that ring. He's clothed me with his righteousness. And he calls me into his house as a son to live with him forever. I don't know if you thought about what heaven is supposed to be like. Right? It's great. You're not going to be floating around on clouds with a, you know, a, a, a harp. Maybe you will. I mean, if that's what you want to do, I'm sure that's fine. But God has a great, it hasn't entered into the mind of man what God has prepared for those that love him. Do you know what God's image of heaven is? It's you, ladies and gentlemen. That's the, the eternity that he has designed for himself is to spend it on you, to spend himself on you. Now, how do you determine what something is worth? If you ever sold a house, you know it's whatever somebody's willing to pay for it. How much did God pay for you? How much? He gave his only begotten son that whosoever might believe on him should have eternal life. That's the exchange rate. That's the value. That's who God says you are. Thank you, Mr. Monty, just for that reminder that we don't get to decide who we are. With people around us don't get to decide who we are, but only God can put the value on who we are and what we have and, and what he can do with us. And, you know, Mr. Monty said he's, he's a mathematician. And anybody know that God's math and, and man's math, not the same thing, right? One plus one in, in man's math, what does that equal? Two, yeah. With God, and it could be infinite, right? It could be a million, 75. There's no telling because God can do immeasurably more, just like it says in Ephesians 3.20. He can do immeasurably more than we can ask, think, or imagine. And I think, you know, when I think about that concept, one of the stories that in, in the Bible that often comes to my mind is the feeding of the 5,000, right? You had the little boy who had the five loaves and, and the two fish, and somehow Jesus fed 5,000 plus people with it, right? Anybody, you ever think about that? Like, how did Jesus do that? Like, he broke the bread and said, abracadabra, and then just like kept multiplying, and more and more bread kept coming out. Just one of those things I think about, and um, just the concept that it, it doesn't matter 
what man says, right? Because according to man, five loaves and two fish could have fed like maybe two or three people, right? Like one little kid brought it for his lunch. But with God, it's, it's more than what you can ask, think, or imagine. God can do more with that. And all it requires is ultimately our, our obedience. And so I'm going to invite um, just our, our students director, Mr. Sam Will, to come up here and just kind of talk about how it doesn't matter what the world says we are. They may say we're too young, too old. We may not have enough. We may have too much. It doesn't matter because all that matters is what Jesus can do with us. So welcome Mr. Sam Will up here. Thank you, AB, for introducing me. Um, uh, first service, I was the last one. Kind of can't really say that. I was going to say, you know, they always save the, the youth pastor for being the last, but hey, they moved me up. Um, but for real, first off, I want to thank Dustin, who's not here today. just want to thank him for giving me this opportunity to speak to y'all, uh, believing in me, and I'm just very grateful for, for his vision and for him just giving me this opportunity today. In my faith journey, besides what, what Jesus has done in my life, I've been influenced a lot by the people that are around me that have been willing to invest in me and help me become who I am today. Ever since I got saved, I've, I've had a calling on my life to, to serve God in, in some capacity, but it took godly men and women sacrificing their time and energy to invest in me. That would get me that would get me back on track whenever I'd mess up so I could fully live in the purpose that God has called me to live in and live a life that is pleasing to God. So I'm extremely grateful for all the youth pastors, church leaders, and friends that have invested in me over the, over the years, including the ones that are here at this church right now. And because now I get to make a difference in this community, in the lives of of all the young adults and, and youth that come into this area. And I I'm, I'm, can't say it enough, I'm honored to be able to do that. What I would like to share with you today is going to be found in John chapter 6. So if we would, let's turn there. And we're going to be starting in verse 5. Uh, what we're talking about today is what Alicia said, feeding the 5,000, the miracle story of that. And there's a key point in this passage that I'm wanting us to to focus on this morning. So let's see, see if we can get there together. If you're ready, say I'm ready. ready. All right, starting in verse five, it says this. When Jesus looked up and saw a great crowd coming toward him, he said to Philip, where shall we buy bread for these people to eat? He asked this only to test him for he already had in mind what he was going to do. Philip answered him, it would take more than a half year's wages to buy enough bread for each one to have a bite. Another of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother spoke up. Here is a boy with five small, small barley loaves and two small fish. But how far will they go amongst so many? Jesus said, have the people sit down. There was plenty of grass in that place, and they sat down. About 5,000 men were there. Jesus then took the loaves, gave thanks, and distributed to those who were seated as much as they wanted. He did the same with the fish. When they had all had enough to eat, he said to his disciples, gather the pieces that are left over, let nothing be wasted. So they gathered them and filled 12 baskets with the pieces of the five barley loaves left over by those who had eaten. After the people saw the sign that Jesus performed, they began to say, surely this is the prophet who is to come into the world. 
So what I want to focus in on today is in verse 9, in that the one person that came prepared that day was a boy. It wasn't a a well-established man in the community. It wasn't anyone that had great influence. It was a boy. This boy came with his lunch to hear from Jesus that day. Wasn't expecting to have to give up his lunch, but it's all about the heart posture. This boy could have been selfish, but he came that day expecting something to happen. And being around Jesus was enough for the boy to realize that this man is the something that he was expecting. And he was willing to give up everything to serve Jesus, even if it was something little. Jesus ended up taking that little that the boy had to offer and was able to turn that little meal into enough to feed, at the minimum, 5,000 people. And this wasn't a men's conference, so there wasn't just 5,000 men. There was men, women, and children. And they still had 12 baskets left over. That's amazing. What I want you to see is that we have youth that are, that are in this church, that are in this community, that are coming every day to this, to this church, every Sunday to this church, with a metaphorical lunch. They're coming with something that's to us may seem like a little. And Jesus is trying to use us who calls ourselves disciples, who calls ourselves followers of Jesus to take that little and take it to Jesus on their behalf to help champion and cheer them on, cheer on this next generation and help their little get to the hands of Jesus so we can sit back and watch as he multiplies it. I have two points today and I want you to write this down Obedience from one makes it possible that we all eat. It doesn't matter your age, your gender, your upbringing, how long you've been a follower of Jesus, if you're retired, if you are a college student, doesn't matter what, life you're, uh, what walk of life you're in at this moment, he still wants to use you so you can be a blessing to everyone that's around you. This boy came with a small meal just for himself. But because of his childlike faith and his obedience to Jesus and the disciples, he was able to be a blessing, and Jesus was able to use his little and make sure that there was enough that day so everyone could eat. The second point is this. Obedience from one makes it possible for the crowd to see Jesus. I think this is an underrated part of the story that we probably most of the time look over. Yes, it's amazing that Jesus was able to do this miracle, take what, take what little the boy had, turn it into 5,000. But if there wouldn't have been obedience on behalf of the boy, Jesus wouldn't have been able to use a person to see who he really is. It says in verse 14, after the people saw the sign that Jesus performed, they began to say, surely this is the prophet who is to come into the world. Because of this boy's obedience, now a crowd of well over 5,000 people were able to see that Jesus was the one that Moses was talking about. Now, where does that leave us today? How can we apply this to where we're going? What I want you to get from what I'm saying is that the mission to reaching the next generation in a church has never changed. It doesn't matter what generation you grew up in, The mission has never changed. The mission is this, connect them to the creator, 
connect them to Jesus, help them discover their purpose, and then help them use their purpose to glorify God. What we can do as the body of Christ for the next generation is so simple. We can serve them, we can be an example to them, and we can give to them. Maybe the Holy Spirit is speaking to you right now to help in student ministry or college ministry. Now, I know he's not speaking to everyone. I know that. Because not everyone wants to deal with stinky middle schoolers and stinky high schoolers. This doesn't mean that everyone is called to it. But just because you aren't called to it doesn't mean you still can't make an impact in this next generation. We can also make an impact by our example, the way we live our life. Whether you want to believe it or not, every student that's sitting in this room today and that was sitting in first service and that sits in every service that we have every single Sunday is watching you. Whether you want to admit it or not, they are watching what you're doing, how you're interacting with God, how you're interacting with people. They're watching how you worship God. They're watching how you lean into whoever is on this platform speaking, whether it's me, Dustin, Monty, and Miss Michelle that's going to be speaking after me. Whatever it is, God, or they are watching how you are worshiping God. They're watching and learning how to worship Jesus by your example. And they're taking that, molding that into whatever it feels like for them, how they need to worship Jesus. And they're applying that to their life until they're mature enough to have their own faith, their own walk, all of that. This is not only going to impact the students' lives. If we can, if we can take, take heart to what we're doing and, and focus in on what we're doing and how we're leading and what our example is, if we can focus in on that, it's not only going to impact the students' lives, but it's also going to impact your life. It's going to impact the way you're living your life, and it's going to make you want to be more Christ-like and follow, follow Jesus more. The last thing is we can, we can make an impact with our giving. We have students that want to be able to go to camp, but they can't afford to go. Maybe the Holy Spirit is speaking to you today that... You know, God has blessed me, and I don't just have a little to give. I have way more than a little to give. And God's wanting you to step up and sponsor a a youth to go to camp. That's my challenge to you today. Let's either serve. Let's either be be an example. Let's give. Because... We say it all the time. We are a church that talks a lot about being about the next generation. But let's stop just talking about it. Let's actually be about it. Let's start believing in our next generation. That they are going to change the world. That they are going to lead the world someday. Because they are. So we need to impact them now. We've got to invest in them now. Rather than act like they don't know any better and they are just ignorant kids, if we are going to call them those things, 
then we've got to look in the mirror and realize we are the reason they are like that. They are ignorant because of our example. They're not ignorant because they're just ignorant. We're not leading them well. If people are our heart, which is something we say here at Purpose Church all the time, that will include every young person that's a part of Gen Z. It's not every adult or every young adult that walks through the doors, but it's every person, including a young person that's in youth. So let that fire you up today. And let's bring whatever it is that we have to offer to the hands of Jesus. Because he is going to be more than able than anything that we could ever do by ourselves. Who would I be to say that the Lord can't use any of you that are sitting in this room today to make a difference, not just talk about making a difference in the lives of these students? Whether it's a little or it's a lot that you have to give or what, a little or a lot that you even have to offer in your, in your time, your influence, your money, whatever it is, let's give it to Jesus and let's see how God can multiply the amount of people that come into this room that can see what, what God really is, what Jesus really is, come into relationship with him by our generosity, by our giving, by, the, by our giving and our, of our time and money. Let's see how God can use that and multiply the amount of people that come to, to know Jesus in this community by our next generation. Thank you, Sam, just for that reminder that we can't count out uh, people around us and we can't count out, um, can't count out ourselves based on what the world says. And Sam, thank you, you and the entire youth team just for leading our youth so well because um, they're going through a series right now on uh, mental health, if I'm not mistaken, right? And just the conversations that they're having and um, it's, it's a hard topic, hard things to talk about. I mean, it's, it's hard for us adults to talk about it, right? Like imagine how hard it is for, for youth to talk about and just um, your obedience and trust in Jesus and what he's called you to do and um, just trusting him w- with what's going to happen. And um, that's kind of the next point I want you to write down. Because we're marked, our job is obedience. God's job is the outcome. Because we're marked, our job is obedience. God's job is the outcome. And just like that little boy with the loaves and the fish, I, I, I imagine, like, put yourself there in the middle of that, right? Probably his mom or his dad or his, his older brothers said, hey, like, Jesus can't use that. That's, that's not enough. Like, there's no way. That's not good enough. He can't do anything with that. Um, but Jesus can, Right? Because the little boy's job was obedience. Jesus' job was the outcome. And that's, that's the same thing for our life. And um, going back to 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 6 there, it says, So be truly glad there is wonderful joy ahead. Even though you must endure many trials for a little while, these trials will show that your faith is genuine. It's being tested as fire tests and purifies gold though your faith is far more precious than mere gold. So when your faith remains strong through many trials, it will bring you much praise and glory and honor on the day when Jesus Christ is revealed to the whole world. And I just think about that. Anybody know that in the midst of hard circumstances, it's really hard to be truly glad. 
Anybody agree with that? Like when, when uh, you lose your job, it's hard to be truly glad. When you lose a family member, it's, it's hard to be truly glad. When things don't go the way you plan, it's hard to be truly glad. But Jesus calls us to be obedient. God calls us to be obedient to what he's called us to do and, and to just trust him with the outcome. Because we have no idea how our obedience is impacting people. And just someone that I think about that that comes to mind for, to describe that perfectly uh, is this next person I'm going to invite up here. And it's going to be Miss Michelle Hansen. And um, I just know that uh, to think about being truly glad, that is definitely something that I would describe uh, as Michelle and her husband, Bjarni, as people who are truly glad. Uh, and if you know Michelle, if you, you've been through Next, you probably recognize her and her husband. And um, you know that she's been through some really difficult times lately some really hard times where it's, it's hard to be truly glad, and she's going to share about that in just a second. But um, I just think that her, her obedience in the midst of all of this, in the midst of all the hard times she's going through, in the midst of the labels the world puts on her, the labels she even's putting on herself, um, her obedience to do what God's called her to do, God's doing big things through her, even in the midst of these hard times. So join me in welcoming Miss Michelle Hansen. Thank you. Um, so I'm going to start my story as many stories start um, with my first picture up there, if I could, guys. Um, when I met a boy, um, I was one of those young adult people, went to a YMCA camp to be a counselor for a summer, and uh, my life changed. Um, and so I think here in a second you're going to get to see the first picture that we took as a couple. Um, there it is. Um, we were a little younger then. <laughs> that was back in 1992. And um, we actually had met at camp and uh, became very, very good friends. Um, he dated all of my friends. Um, and so um, that's a big story. If you ever want to hear it, I'd be glad to tell you. Um, but eventually he got around to asking me out. And um, I said yes after a week of making him wait. And, um, and that was it. We were smitten, and thankfully the Lord allowed our friendship to grow even more and our love to grow, and a couple years later we were married, and a few years after that we had a son, Isaac, and um, we had both been Christians for most of our life, even at that point, um, but you know, when, when you get to a new point in life, um, now married, adults, and, and even parents, you know, you begin to look at things a little differently. And we really began to ask, what in the world is God's purpose for us? And so we began to look at like, okay, um, Bjarni was a student at the time. Is it to be a student, you know, in this particular field? Or I was a social worker. Is my purpose to be a social worker and, and really focusing on that? Um, we were parents, you know, so, okay, so our purpose is to be a parent. Or maybe it's husband and wife. And those were the titles that we looked to to give us purpose. But titles change and circumstances change. And so we wanted to find out a little bit more. And through some great mentoring and looking at scripture and praying through things, we came to this verse. And guys, if you'll throw it up there, that'd be great. It's Matthew 28, 18 through 20. And says, And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. 
Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. And so we took that to mean this. In everything that we did, we were supposed to be able to show people and tell people about Jesus. Um, that was what God commanded us to do. That was the purpose that he set before us. And so that was what we began to try to do, was just to live every day in that way. And whether that was at work, at school, um, in dealing with our kid, in dealing with each other, which sometimes was even harder, <laughs> you know, um, that, that we would show people Jesus, that we would talk to people about Jesus, that um, we would have that as our focus. Now, we weren't perfect in any way, shape, or form, um, and are still not perfect at that. But if it's something that you can set your mind to and kind of filter things through, it does change your perspective on how you live life. And so we began to do that in a daily way, and then we very quickly realized, you know what, we know all the Bible stories because we grew up with the felt boards and everything in church, but, um, you know, we really need to get to know who this Jesus is um, if we're going to tell others about him and if we're really going to make disciples and people who not just maybe know the little layer of Jesus but go deep with Jesus. How do we get there? And so, again, we went back to Scripture. We went back to who the character of Jesus was and, and what he was about and so forth. And we came across this Scripture in Matthew 22, 37 through 40. Um, and this is the message version just because I really love how this is said. And it says this, Jesus said, love the Lord your God with all of your passion and prayer and intelligence. This is the most important, the first on any list, but there is a second to set alongside it. Love others as well as you love yourself. And so again, we took that as kind of our purpose and what we needed to do. And so as we began, again, to live life on a daily basis, this is what we tried to look at. Um, we were kids in the 70s, and so when the 90s hit, it was that what would Jesus do time, which has come back around again. Um, and so we, we kind of took that attitude of in our situations when something would happen, what would Jesus do? What, how would he react to this? When we're dealing with a teenager, how would Jesus react to our teenager? You know, how when you're in an argument with your spouse, <laughs> how would Jesus react to them and so forth? And so um, that was really how he changed our mindset at that point, which was pretty cool. Um, in 2018, we had the opportunity to hear about Purpose Church and what was coming um, with that. And so, guys, if you'll throw a number two picture, please, for me, that would be great. Um, and we had the joy, finally, of really getting to serve together. We had served in church in lots of different ways, whether it be with kids or youth or um, different things. But typically, it was separate. Um, we weren't always together on it. And so when we came to Purpose Church, one of our goals was to be able to serve together. And we did that from the load-in team at 5.15 a.m. in the morning um, um, to the next class, um, prayer team, baptism team, some things like that. And it was so great to not only have a front row seat to what God was doing in other people's lives, but to see how God was using Bjarni and for Bjarni to see how God was using me and to be able to pray for each other through that and encourage each other through that. It was such a gift, and we had a lot of fun with that. 
Um, at this point, I was trying to think of ways to tell you what Bjarni was like, but I think that I have a video that will be better than anything I could say. Um, this is a video that he recorded. I don't know who it was sent to, um, but he recorded this right after COVID happened. This was videoed on March 20th, um, and so if you guys don't mind to throw the video up there for me. Hey guys, it's Bjarni. Just want to encourage you today and know that God loves you and so do we. People are our heart and faith is our reaction. It says, for I know what plans I have for you, declares the Lord. And that means that he hears us when we seek him and we call upon his name. Know that God's in control and today didn't catch God off guard. We love you and we seek you and find you in all things, God. So we just pray that for you today and we hope you have an awesome day. Love you. Hey, God. That was his attitude in life. Um, I appreciated that most of the time. There were a few times when you're trying to argue with somebody that reacts that way. It's not very cool. Like, I wanted to be upset, and he's like, have you prayed about it? And I was like, no. Um, so um, I tease that Bjarni, um, I often referred to him as my compass. Because, yes, I was seeking the Lord, but often it was Bjarni who would nudge me that way and make sure that I was going the right direction. Um, he, was, he was good at that. Um, if you'll throw up picture three for me. Um, I chose this picture to share with you. This was taken at our son's wedding um, because when I look at this picture, I hope that what I see and what I hope you see is that I was madly in love with my husband. And he was madly in love with me. We had worked hard on our marriage. We had worked hard on our friendship. Um, and we were finally at a place. Our kid was getting married. You know, we were good places with careers. We were in a church that we were serving together. We were very honestly having a lot of fun in life. Um, a lot of fun. Um, the video that I shared with you, he recorded when COVID started. Um, in, in March. Um, we did not find that video until after he had passed away in December of 2021. He had a blood clot that um, went to his heart and he instantly went from here on earth to the arms of Jesus. And I'm quite sure for those of you who knew Bjarni, um, I can tell you that he probably gave Jesus one heck of a bear hug when he got there. <laughs> but I didn't know what to do. There are days that I still don't know quite what to do. Um, I had spent 30 years seeking Jesus beside the man of my dreams. And I didn't quite know what I was supposed to do next. I didn't know what my purpose was. And so I began to think about what the world had marked me as. I was now a widow at 49. Um, I was someone who maybe was financially unstable at a first time in my life. Um, I was someone who was maybe marked as um, sad a lot of the time. Um, I was someone who was marked as, and even if this is what I said to myself, um, not worthy, not beautiful, not capable all of those things. What was I good for now? But what I realized is this, is that even as I question God, because he can handle all my questions, um, he didn't go, whoa, that's a little tense. No. 
he leaned in to me. On the days that I didn't feel like getting out of bed, he leaned in and encouraged my heart. On the days that I didn't think I could go to work, on the days that I didn't think I could be a mom, on the days that I didn't think I could be a daughter, on the days that I didn't think I could be a sister, um, on the days that I didn't think I could be a friend or the next leader <laughs> here at church or even come through the doors and worship, he leaned in. He does that for all of us. He has never left me, and he has never left you. Because you see, a relationship with God is not dependent on my understanding of the answers. I don't know why Bjarne I mean, I know there was a blood clot, but I don't know why Bjarne had to die at 49. He had a lot to still give. I don't know. I'll find out when I get to heaven. I don't know why things haven't been easy for our family since then. We've experienced some other things, and I just want to say, Lord, what are, like, why? I don't know. I know that there are opportunities, though, for me to step back into my purpose. Back to Matthew 28, 18 through 20. Go, therefore, and make disciples. Now, I probably am not quite as vocal as I used to be. Um, but I know that when opportunities come, like today, even in the uncomfortableness of it, <laughs> because this is not so comfortable, <laughs> that I'm supposed to lean in. God has taught me that really what he wants from me is my yes. I have a sign at my house now that says just that, yes, Lord, because that's what he wants. That's what he asks of me. Um, I've been asked, um, Katie asked me a few semesters ago to lead a crew, and I was like, hmm, don't know that I'm ready for that. <laughs> um, but I felt like God was saying yes, because my purpose is to make disciples, which means that it's people who are seeking after Jesus together. I want to be a part of that. And so shout out to any of the 40-plus crew in the room. I think most of them were in first service, but um, we have a pretty cool group crew. Yeah, there. So, um, and I'd invite you to join our crew if you're 40-plus. I do know this, though. My purpose isn't based on feelings. If it was, wouldn't be here. My purpose isn't based on circumstances, because when the world marks me as somebody who may not have as much to say, or somebody who may not be as valuable anymore, I can tell you that going and eating in a restaurant by yourself is a whole different experience if you want to feel unworthy. If you have single friends, invite them to dinner with you. Circumstances don't determine my purpose. Ability doesn't determine my purpose. It doesn't. It's not an excuse that I can give God to say, nope, can't do that. It's uncomfortable, but all he wants is my yes. And he will continue to lean in 
in my life and in your life. I have no doubt of that. Um, God led me during this time to a great scripture in the, in the very popular book of Zephaniah <laughs> in the Old Testament. Um, but it's a scripture that I have read. It sits on a stand, have it on my mirror. I read it every morning as a reminder. And it says this, for the Lord your God is living among you. Thankful for the Holy Spirit who speaks to my heart, speaks to my mind, reminds me that I'm his. He is a mighty savior. I don't have to worry about that. He's taking care of it. My sin, it's done. God saved me. He's given me the grace. He will take delight in you with gladness. I don't know what you're going through. I pray that it isn't the loss of a spouse, because that's really hard. But I'm sure that you're going through or have gone through something that can be hard also. And I want you to know that he delights in you with gladness. With his love, he calms all of your fears. Because you see, here's what I know. <laughs> I can be afraid of tomorrow. I can easily be afraid of tomorrow because sometimes I don't know what tomorrow holds or if I'm going to cry. I want you to know this is the first time I've had mascara on in forever because usually I cry a lot. And so I don't know what tomorrow is going to hold. But I do, as the old song says, I do know who holds tomorrow. I do. And he will rejoice over you with a joyful song. I love that I have a Savior who sings over me, who delights in me who speaks to my heart, who leans in, and all he wants back from me is, yes, Lord. So I challenge you, in whatever circumstances you're walking through, whatever's happening, can you give him your yes, Lord? Thank you, Michelle, and just thank you for the example that you've been to me and to so many others who have walked through some really hard times recently that um, just like 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 8 says, you love him even though you've never seen him, talking about Jesus. Though you don't see him now, you trust him and you rejoice with a glorious, inexpressible joy. And I think just, you're probably thinking, hey, I could never go through what Michelle's gone through and, and continue to have joy or continue to have hope. Or, hey, listen, you, you don't know the things that I've been through. You don't understand what's happened to me. You don't understand my life, my past. Like, there's, there's no way I can have hope. But let me just encourage you this morning that because we are marked, we can have hope in the midst of heartache. We're going to have hope in the midst of hard times. And just as we're going through this morning, I just want you to kind of pick up on two main themes. Number one, that it's not about what happens on this earth. It's not about the things that happen to you or that have happened to you or are going to happen to you or people say that you are or label you as, but it's about that heavenly inheritance that we have, right? It's about the, the creator who created us and who he says we are. 
And it's also about just being obedient to him and what he's called us to. And only you know what it is he's calling you to do. Only you know that the thing that is in the forefront of your mind that you just can't get to go away, that just keeps popping up, that he's, he's telling you to be obedient in, whatever it is that may be. I just challenge you this morning to, to surrender to him. Give him, just like Michelle said, give him your yes. Yes, Lord, whatever it is, I'm going after you. Yes, Lord, take my five loaves and two fish. Yes, Lord, whatever you want, it's all for you. And maybe, maybe you're in this room and you've never said yes to a relationship with Jesus. And so we're talking about this heavenly inheritance, and you don't understand that because you don't, you don't have that. You've never made that decision to, to begin a relationship with Jesus. Well, I just want to give, give us that opportunity right now. So if you're in this, if everybody in this room if we could bow our heads and close our eyes. And if that's you, I just want to challenge you to just under, understand this, that God, when God created the world, he had this perfect design for us to glorify him forever. And Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden, they didn't obey Jesus. They didn't give, them, give him their full yes. And because of that, sin entered into the world. And because of sin, we're separated from Jesus. And um, but, you know, the Bible says, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. So everybody in this room, everybody on the earth, we've all sinned. But the Bible also says that God showed his love for us and that while we were still sinners, he sent his son Jesus to die for us. And just like uh, it says in 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 3 that we read, that Jesus didn't stay dead. He, he died for our sins, but he didn't stay dead. He rose again three days later. And because of that, we have hope, we have, we have joy, we have something to look forward to. And so I just want to challenge you, if that's you, if you've never made that decision to say yes to a relationship with Jesus, I just want to give you that opportunity right now. And so um, I'm going to pray a prayer. If you just repeat it silently or out loud or whisper it, whatever it may be in your head. And listen, it's not the words that save you. It's, it's the desire in your heart to begin a relationship with Jesus. So just pray after me. Dear Jesus, thank you for dying for me. Thank you for making me and creating me. Please forgive me of my sins and come into my heart right now. I want to make you Lord of my life and live for you from this day forward. In Jesus' name. Thank you so much again for listening. To hear more messages like this one, make sure to subscribe and consider rating it and even sharing it with your friends. It helps out so much. For more content and information, head over to OurPurpose.Church. We love you guys and hope you have a great week on purpose.